Australian Jack Roden was a Colombo Plan student studying in the Papua New Guinea Highlands when he saw that students in schools there had little or no access to computers. He decided to do something about this and set up Lighthouse International, which in the ensuing six years has provided thousands of computers across three countries, including Australia, PNG and the Philippines. Don Wiseman asked Jack Roden what has driven him. I started the organisation back in 2017. Uh, I was a university student up in the Western Highlands of Papua New Guinea. And while I was there, I was studying constraints to human development uh, and sustainable development. And I had the chance to uh, visit some schools. And while I was in one particular school, I saw something that I just couldn't accept. And that was that there was pretty well everything that I had growing up in Australia in terms of learning infrastructure, but no technology in the schools. And I thought, well, how can that be a quality education if it's not a digital education in today's world. And so I I couldn't accept that. I couldn't accept that those students were going to go through their learning journey without access to digital learning tools and opportunities. So I I donated my own personal laptop. I got a little bit excited in front of some media that were there at the time and promised to come back with 12 more laptops and build what I didn't know at the time would be one of the first ever functional digital classrooms in the whole country. So in order to fulfill that promise, I came home to Australia. I founded Lighthouse International as an NGO and came back six months later to the Western Highlands of Papua New Guinea and built a digital classroom in the school. And since then, we have built a total of 176 school computer labs across the primary and secondary education sectors. So it's been a busy couple of years and we've provided digital learning tools and opportunities to over 114,000 people now in Papua New Guinea. It's pretty impressive. How many computers in each unit? So in each uh, digital classroom, there's between 15 and 30 desktop computers, occasionally laptops uh, in the more remote areas. But it just depends on the size of the classroom and how how many we can fit. Of course, these schools are very resource poor and quite often uh, finding a space can be challenging and that's what rules a lot of schools out. But yeah, it's not just the computers though inside our computer labs. There's also a fantastic piece of software that's been developed by a a Port Moresby startup called NewNet. What it does is it provides a comprehensive e-library which contains 6.2 million educational articles including content from uh, Wikipedia, Khan Academy and many other open source providers from around the world. So it gives schools access to 6.2 million educational articles regardless of whether they have access to internet or not. A lot of the parts of the country that we work in, it's not possible to get connectivity in the first place, but even for schools that can, it's a very expensive country for uh, to have internet connection. And so a lot of schools default um, on their digital bills. Whereas with our model, it means that these schools can have access to all of this treasure trove of information for free, anywhere, anytime. You have been quoted in the local media as saying... One of the drawbacks is there's very little knowledge uh, among the teaching fraternity of computers and very, very few skills. Yes, absolutely, but it's certainly not a uh, not, not an inhibitor to what we do because we've stood in to fill that gap. Uh, one of the first steps in any of our projects that we do is to work with the teachers to build digital capability amongst that cohort. But once you get the teachers, they're the gateway through to the students, so they're the most important stakeholder in our projects. We've developed a digital skills passport and also a digital skills guidebook. So the passport is really the key to how we teach the teachers and train the teachers. And as I've said before in the media, probably 85 90% of the teachers that we deal with have very, very limited digital skills, if any, if they've ever used a computer before in their lives. But from my most recent trip to PNG, I've seen just what is possible in the most remote parts of the country if you just give people the tools and you just give people the learnings and and a chance, to be perfectly honest. So we've trained hundreds of teachers. Uh, We've worked in close collaboration with divisions of education around this as well. We've also uh, recently 
gain more resourcing to be able to do more of this as well. And we're looking at creating digital hubs. So within some of our partner schools in the province, nominating one of them to be the digital hub where teachers from uh, surrounding schools can come together to one place uh, and receive training and, and learnings that they take back into their own communities. The Digital Skills Guidebook is something that uh, we've created. It's more of a teaching curriculum. One of the biggest challenges for teachers is not only gathering the digital literacy to be able to use the computers, but also around digital instruction. How do you teach other people how to use computers? And the Digital Skills Guidebook is both in English and also in Top Pism, uh, and it's been a huge success, and we've had some great feedback from that from a, a number of schools that we work with across the island. Well, how big is Lighthouse? So it's a small, uh, a small NGO, but with a massive footprint. That's how I usually describe it. Um, so we've got four full-time staff in Australia, one full-timer in the Philippines, where we also do this work. And also we have two full-time staff in PNG and a number of part-timers there as well. So in terms of our operational footprint or our headcount, uh, we're quite a small organisation, but we are a rapidly growing charity. I believe we've just uh, just emerged into the top 15% uh, by revenue size of charities in Australia, according to the ACNC. So we're rapidly growing and we're, we're working across PNG, Australia and the Philippines, putting out about 7,500 devices into the community a year. This takes a lot of resources. Is the money all coming through charity? How do you get it? So uh, at the moment, about 75% of our income comes from corporate philanthropy. So we've had some great success through private sector partnerships, particularly in Port Moresby. So a number of the largest companies in PNG support us. They include the Brian Bell Group of Companies, Deloitte PNG, EY PNG, ExxonMobil, Total Energies, and, and many others as well. So And equally in Australia, we're supported by the likes of St. George Foundation, Queensland Country Bank, and many others as well. So I, I guess we've gone with a slightly not unusual model, but uh, we do rely pretty heavily on corporate philanthropy, but we see that as, as, a, as a stepping stone as well to where we'd ultimately like to get to, which is more public sector funding as well. We, we believe that we're delivering on a lot of the objectives of the Department of Foreign Affairs and Trade here in Australia, certainly their strategies for the Pacific engagement as well, but also other departments here in Australia because we have an Australian program where uh, whilst here in our country, students have access to computers at school, we found particularly during the pandemic that they don't have computers when they get home. And there were some parts of Australia where you're looking at actually only 5% of the cohort of grade 12 students in a high school actually having a computer at home, which is just staggering. As an Australian myself, it it is staggering. So uh, we've provided 3,600 students with their own personal laptop so far across regional parts of the country. And uh, once again, we believe that that's something that governments should be supporting us with. Digital inclusion is such an important part of social inclusion in the age that we live in today.